Well, good morning, church. That was horrible. Just throwing it out there, keeping it reals. All right. Good morning, church. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Man, it is awesome to be here with all of you again. Uh, this Sunday morning, we've come together and worship our awesome God and celebrate life change through G- His Son, Jesus Christ. If you're joining us online, man, welcome. Welcome to uh, Vertical. We love the fact that you are hanging with us and joining us digitally. But if you just, you just miss an awesome worship, uh, it doesn't compare online to what happens here in person. So if you can get here, you're in the vicinity, this is your invitation. Come and join us on a Sunday morning and worship awesome God with these amazing people. Um, if you're joining us as you're new with us this morning, welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church. We, fa- we love the fact that you're here today. We love the fact that you woke up and come and hang out with us this morning. We hope that you feel welcome. We hope it, we made you feel wanted. And we hope that you're willing to come back and join us again next Sunday as we chase this life, that what it looks like to live out for Jesus Christ. Um, gang, we could go on this morning. Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Kings chapter 20. 1 Kings chapter 20, uh, starting at verse 7, 37 this morning. 1 Kings 20, verse 37. Before we get into this morning's conversation and kick into this new series, I want to kind of stop and talk about some, uh, some church business. It's, everybody's excited about church business, right? Uh, coming up on the 29th of August, we're having a vertical celebration. We've talked about it for a few weeks. We're going to continue to promote and celebrate it. I hope you're marking your calendars that you're going to be here, and we're going to celebrate what God is doing all together as his church. Uh, but also, as we get into that, uh, there's some things that we need to take care of as a church. Like there's some things we, as business-wise that we need to take care of, and one of those is our budget. Uh, as a church, we, we vote on our budget. Members vote on the budget. And we're going to be affirming our committees and the elders that, as, that evening as well. But the boat is going to take care of being taken on Sunday the 29th in the morning. So when you come in Sunday on the 29th, you'll see some iPads being set up. And that's where you vote. That's where you take care of it Sunday morning. It's all taken care of Sunday morning. So when we show up Sunday night, there's none of that business stuff. We just a whole bunch of praise stuff. You know what I mean? All right, so we're going to take care of that Sunday morning. But here's the thing. Uh, when it comes to the voting for the budget, corner constitution, you have to be a member to do so. You have to be a member to do so. It means you'd be a member, you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been baptized by immersion, and you've taken our next move class, and, and you say, I'm committed to this church. So this is where me, as part of the leadership, I'm going to be a little bit of spirit of transparency right now with you. Um, the honest truth is our membership roles are kind of jacked up. <laughs> Just the truth. We've grown so much and people shift so much. We don't have accurate roles um, of who can vote and who can't vote. So this, this is just being honest. We continue to go through this. And as we continue to lead through this, we're going to continue to build this machine to help us move forward, right? Stronger foundation for a bigger and brighter future of, for kingdom purposes. And one of the things we're going to work around, we're going to actually get this taken care of by the end of the year. We hope to get all of our membership roles figured out. But until then, we have to figure out what we're going to do coming up to this vote. So I want to share with you what's our plan. Our plan is if, you, if you're a member of this church, you know that you're a member. You've done all these things, and that's awesome. You can vote. If you know that you're not a member, you're not a follower of Jesus, you haven't been baptized, um, then, then that would ask you not to vote. That just be, let's be upfront and honest about that. But here's the thing. There's some people in this room who are like, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea if I'm a member of this church. Man, I love this church. I love Jesus in my life. I've been baptized. And, and here's the thing that you give out of your time, your talents, and your treasure to God, right? This is your home church. 
Or are we saying you can, at this point you can vote too? Because we want our hope is that you will become a member. And when we're going to figure this out, what it looks like, we want you to become a member because membership shows commitment to what God's doing in his church. And so that's what we're doing with coming up. I know it's a little squirrely, a little twisted, but we're trying to figure things out. We're asking you as we're being transparent with you to be patient with us as we try to build a better machine for God's kingdom, for his glory, all right? All right, now that's all excitement. We're going to have a, have a good day. All right, never mind. Creature of habit. Creature of habit. Jump into this new series this morning. Every morning I wake up and I pretty much have the same routine. My alarm goes off at 5.30. I roll over and take a nap to about 6.30, quarter to 7. Just ask my wife, that's true. I roll over and take a nap. Eventually I get out of bed. I walk onto the kitchen, I grab my cup of coffee, I say good morning to my wife, I walk over and give Stephanie a kiss, because normally nine out of ten days, she's up an hour and a half before I am, and I grab my phone, and I grab my Bible, and I sit in my reading chair, and that's how I start my day. That's pretty much how I start every single day, even Sunday mornings. That's my routine. I do it without thinking twice. I get up, I'm half asleep, I'm still, I know how to pour the coffee, I don't know how it makes it in my cup, but it does. So what about you? What is your morning like? Think about this series, Creature of Habit. What is, what is the routine that you have in your life that you do every single morning when you get up? What is something you do throughout every single day that you have no idea that you're actually doing? You just kind of live it out. That is your routine. What are some of the things that you do in your life that you, maybe you drive the same pattern, the same way to work. You're like, I, this is how I get to work. I don't go here, I don't go there, but this is how I get to work. Do you drive the same route to work? Maybe if you're one of those people who run on coffee, you can't live without coffee. Do you find a Starbucks or a donut bank on the way to work and you order your 14-syllable coffee every morning? You laugh because some of you in this room know exactly what I'm talking about. I can't say it, I wrote it down. But I like a medium decaf ice mocha latte pinch of cinnamon with, with low-fats goat's milk. Have you ever ordered that? Please say no. But that happens. People do that. Stephanie and I go to Starbucks. Truth story, right, hon? And she would say, this is what I want. I'm like, I'm leaning my seat back, and she's shouting across because I have no idea what she's ordering. It's absolutely crazy. But is that you? Is that part of your routine? Is that what you do every single day in life? Do you put your shoes on? the same way every single day? Do you go to work and take your breaks at the same time every single day? Do you have the same lunch? Are you one of those people like you get up and you're doing your thing and you make your peanut butter and jelly, I got my crackers, I got my chips, here we go, I got the door. Is that who you are? Think right now. But all the things that you do naturally, just it's a habit for you. It's, it's, it's my routine. We all have them. They give me absolutely crazy little things we don't even recognize. I didn't share this first service, but I'm going to throw my son on the bus. Sorry, Isaac, I love you. Um, I came home yesterday. Before, before I left, he was asked to take the, trash, take the trash out to the dumpster. And I come back in about an hour and a half later, coming back home. He flies out of the bedroom. He had taken the trash out. But he didn't re- what he didn't do is he didn't put a new trash bag in it. And I, so I just kind of stepped back and watched him fly in the kitchen. He's looking all over the place. Grab- I said, wait, wait. 
did you just come out because you heard me come home? And he goes, yeah, I don't know, it's a habit of mine. When, when you come home, I immediately think about all the things you asked me to do that I didn't do. All right? True story, just happened yesterday. So those are the things I'm talking about. Things that just naturally happen in our life. They're habits, and we don't pay attention to them. You know, I shared this, I shared this a couple weeks ago, and I'm assured every week that 40% of our lives, studies show that 40% of our lives are lived in habits. That means almost half of our life is on autopilot. That you and I never stop and think through them or what we're actually doing. That should scare us. We are all creatures of habits. We all have routines. Like it or not, that is the truth. We like everything to be in a routine. And change, change drives us crazy. Like if I come out and my dog is whining, he needs to go to the bathroom and it interrupts my routine and I have to take him out before I get to my coffee, I'm like, someone take the dog out before I get up. It's the truth. So the next three weeks, be honest, we're going to walk through this and we're going to pop the hood on life. And we're going to look into our lives and see the habits that are being lived out that we don't pay attention to. Look at the things of our lives that we just kind of just do just because we've done it that way forever. And we're going to walk through understanding what the importance of habits are. And then we're going to figure out how to get rid of the bad habits in our lives by the way we all have them. But then we're going to figure out how to build godly habits that lead us to the best life. Because the habits of some of our lives right now, they're in our lives, don't lead us to the best life. And so we need to figure what they have, root them out, and put them in with lives, habits that build us to the best life. And this is why I think this series is important. I believe that who we become is the product of who we are, what we do in this life, is greatly influenced by the habits that we live. Let me just say that again. Who we become in this life is greatly influenced by the habits that we live. But I want to say something here that, well, it might not sound so pastoral. It may actually sound a little bit harsh. But I want to be up front with you right in the beginning of this series. This series is not about making you a better human being. It's not about making you a better human being. In fact, if I'm being honest, I really don't care about that. Now, before you tune me out, hear me out, okay? It's my hope that through this series, that we will become more dedicated followers of Jesus. That our lives will be lived out with greater intentionality for what God has for us and for his purposes, for kingdom purposes. And when we do that, when we press into God and say, okay, is the habits in my lives, are they really getting the best? Are they really pulling out the best? Are they really what you want me to do? We will naturally become better human beings. Why? Because we become more like Jesus and less like the world. And if we all lived more like Jesus, we'd be better human beings, let's be honest. So that's our goal as Christ followers needs to be different than the world. We don't want to just be better human beings. We want to be sold out Christ followers. And if that's you, you want that in your life. And it's, you want to be, you want to figure out what these habits are. You want the best life possible through Jesus Christ. It starts with you and I popping the hood in life and figuring out what those habits in our lives that are getting in the way, they're actually barriers from the best life in Christ. See, it's my heart for us to become so laser-focused 
that we will build a life that never says only if. Only if I had started this sooner. Only if I had stopped doing that earlier. Only if I implemented this in my life. Six months before right now, man, maybe I would have saved my job. Only if I had made these changes in my life that I would actually save my marriage. Only if I lived the life that God called me to live, cultivated good habits that point me towards him, things would be different. So that's my heart for us. I don't want us to have a life that says only if. I want us to put it the hard work and friends, but it looks at the faces that I saw in first service and maybe I'm going to see some of them second service. It's not one of those series that you can be like, oh my word, that was God awesome, praise Jesus. Because we're going to hit some nerves. We're going to have honest conversations. We're going to be real about getting these habits out of our lives and cultivating the best ones possible. Right now you're open to a passage that's going to lead us to this this morning. It's a passage of scripture that lays out a story between a king and an unnamed prophet. Now, the king that we're going to be speaking about, his name is Ahab. He is a king over Israel. During this time, God's people were divided in two different nations. And he, Ahab was a king over Israel, king over God's people. And if you look at, if you look at the Ahab's life, he actually wasn't a really good king. In fact, he was a pretty horrible king. You go back a few chapters earlier, before chapter 1, you read that he did more, evils in, more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any other one before him. He was a ruthless king. He was an ungodly king. Oh, he, he worshiped gods. He just didn't worship the one true God that, it was, that was the God of the people that he was overseeing. And he, had, he put his kingdom in Samaria, and that's where he ruled. Now, we're going to be walking through this process, and we're going to see, I'm going to tell you a little background. There's, a, there's another king. His name's Ben-Hadad. Ben-Hadad was a king of, the, of Aram, and he went up to challenge King Ahab. He went up to challenge him. He went to oppose him, went to go against him, went to fight against him. And he went up and he took all his vast army with him. And it wasn't just King Ben-Hadad and his armies. He actually brought 32 other kings and their armies with him to oppose God's people in Israel to fight this King Ahab. Well, this is what's going on. He shows up and he walks and he makes... Ben-Hadad makes this point to King Ahab. He says, listen, I'm going to come in. I'm going to take all your silver. I'm going to take all your wives. I'm going to take all your children. And if for some crazy reason, Ahab says, sure, take them. I'm good with that. But the story goes on. He says, all right, since you give me this, now I'm going to come in. I'm going to inspect every single one of your houses. And I'm going to take everything that you value. Well, then Ahab grows the backbone and says, what? No way. You're not taking that. Listen, I gave you my wives and children, which that just blows my mind. But when it comes to the things that I think precious, you can't have any of that. Well, so Ben-Hadad says, listen, since you won't give me what I want, God's, may the gods deal with me so severely if I don't just crush you. Well, then a prophet shows up. A prophet starts having a conversation with Ahab and said, listen, see this vast army that's going to come against you? He's like, yeah. Well, God's going to deliver them in your hands. 
meaning that you are going to take them out. You're going to find victory over these Arameans. You're going to take them all out, and it's going to be victory for God. So that's what happens. A battle starts, and they keep, they keep on going at each other. And there's actually two battles that takes place. And by the way, there's over 100,000 soldiers of the Arameans and the other kings. At this point, there's over 7,000 of God's people. And God gives them victory. God gives Ahab, even though he was a ruthless king who didn't follow him, who was doing all these other things, he gave him victory. But then the prophet shows up one more time and says, listen, fortify your position because Ben-Hadad is going to come at you again. He's going to bring a, a bigger army and he's going to come at you again. This is exactly what happened in the spring. And he came at him and it says that, he, that uh, Ahab's army inflicted over 100,000 casualties against Ben-Hadad. Again, 7,000 against over 100,000, and he was wiping them out. God was showing up again for a guy who was ruthless and who didn't follow him, even though he was supposed to. He was showing that I'm going to put him in your hands. But here's the situation. When it came to it, when they were defeated, when Ben-Hadad was defeated, he reached out to King Ahab. And he said, listen, man, I understand that you're a merciful guy and you're a merciful king, Please don't kill me. Ahab's like, well, sure. We can do that. I'll make a treaty with you. And he actually calls his enemy his brother. That's crazy. So now we have now we're in a situation where a king is not acting like a king. God told him that he was going to wipe him out, but he didn't. He made a treaty with the enemy. He didn't do what he was called to do. He was busy doing all this other stuff. But he didn't do what he was called to do. So this is where we slow down. I know it's a big story. We're going to be looking at this. But this is a big story. But I think it's going to lead us right where we had our conversation this morning. Let's slow down and look at verse 37. Now the prophet found another man. He said, strike me, please. So the man struck him and wounded him. And the prophet went and stood by the road waiting for King Ahab, disguised himself with a headband over, down over his eyes. So this is the same prophet. Stop right there. This is the same prophet that was talking to Ahab saying, listen, God's going to put him in your hands, right? You're going to have victory over this. He realized what, what Ahab had done, and now he's showing up, and he's having a conversation, but he's under disguise. And he starts telling a story as, as someone who's under disguise. As the king passed by, the prophet, look at this verse 39. He, the prophet called out to him, your servant went into the thick of the battle. And someone came to me with a captive and said, guard this man. If he is missing, it would be your life for his life, or you must pay a talent of silver, which your servant was busy here and here, while your servant was busy here and there, and man, the man disappeared. Well, King Ahab responded and said, the king said, you have pronounced it for yourself. This is your sentence. Now, right now, you're probably thinking, how in the world does this wrap into our habits? How in the world is this story about a king and not doing what God's called to do, wrap into our habits. It's very simple. Ahab was li- uh, busy living a life was not means he was living his best. Living busy is not the same as living his best. See, he was busy doing all these other things. He was busy doing what he wanted to do. And that's why the prophet came to him. And that's why the prophet said, listen, while your, your servant was busy going here and there, and the guy that I was supposed to hold and watch and take care of, he ran away. Ahab was busy, but he wasn't doing what God expected of him. 
Well, that's the same with us. We also get busy. We also think the things that we're doing in our lives is what we should be doing, but many times it's not. If you read the chapters before, you can see this was a pattern of Ahab's life. He was constantly going through and doing things. Okay, he would make treaties with the bad guys and try to kill the good guys. That's the type of king he was. That was his habitual lifestyle. He was busy doing all these things, but not what God wanted him to do. See, being busy is not the same as being faithful. Being productive is not the same as being obedient. And that is something the king never understood. He just lived his life on his own accord, doing his own thing, not paying attention to anything that he was doing. So let's think of it this way. What would happen, what would happen to you if you went to work and your boss was waiting in expectation for work that you were doing, things that he wanted you to complete, but you never did it? What would happen to your workplace? So your boss shows up on Monday morning, tomorrow morning, he comes in and says, listen, listen, I have, I'm waiting for your proposal, right? I need your proposal, I need your report for your side so I can go through and finish my work. You're like, well, sure, I can get that done for you. And so you say that you're going to do it. But something happens throughout the day and your day kind of takes a twist and you go out and you fill with all this kind of stuff. You think, well, listen, I need to go down to the mail room and hand in the mail. I'm going to take care of that. You think that uh, I've got five walks I can get in today and I can get my 10,000 steps. I think that's very good because everybody wants to get their 10,000 steps so they can be fit and trim, right? So we figured that out. You help a coworker with their computer issues. You're like, man, I'm the man or the woman of the hour. I've got this all figured out. You water the office plants because no one else is doing it. And you think, okay, this is a really amazing. And you go through this day and it comes to be four o'clock. And your boss shows up and says, hey, you got that report for me? Uh, no. What would happen? Probably nothing good. So I think, think through it this way. We were very busy doing all these things. We orchestrated life. We shoved it all in our lives. We got to the end of the day. We didn't do what we were called to do. We didn't do what we're asked to do. That is what I'm talking about, being busy. It's a framework. It's a framework of our lives. We need to build it and understand what we're actually doing every single day. We don't live with such intentionality, and I'm one to admit that myself. We just go through the days and live through the moment. We're wondering what's happening week to week. The problem that we face is our society, our culture, screams busy at us. It says we need to be doing more. We need to be going out and taking our kids to do every little thing. They need to be in every sport. They need to go to this situation. We need to be involved with every ministry that happens at church. It screams busy. And if we're not busy, we must be missing out on something. So we start following culture and we start adding all this stuff to our lives and we never actually think what we're actually doing. We're not paying attention. We're not opening the hood. We're not paying attention to the rhythm of our lives. We're busy. We're busy. But is that busy bringing you to God's best? Listen, I know right now 
again, you're not so excited about this conversation. And you're wondering where it's going. Like, why? Why? I don't want you to wake up 20 years from now thinking you've missed out on life because we didn't have it. I don't want you walk, waking up 10 years from now thinking, man, I wish I would have changed that because we didn't do the hard work up front. So I want to ask you right now, what is occupying your time? Right now, in your life, what is chewing up? What is chewing up your minutes, your days, your weeks? What are you so busy running around? What are you spinning your wheels on that really may not be God's best? Oh, you're busy for sure. I don't doubt that. But is it what God's best? What is stolen? Maybe we can better ask, what are we missing because we're too busy? Give me an example. Statistics show that the average American between 18 and 35 years old spends 3.8 hours a day on social media. Almost four hours a day on social media. Then it also goes on and says an average American spends five hours a day watching TV. So the statistics show that if you're an average American, you spend nine hours a day on your own personal entertainment. That's convicting. That's a habit. To be clear, I'm not putting down social media. You see me on it. I'm not saying the TV is from the devil. What I'm saying is our culture has become so conformed and consumed by these devices that are in our pockets or in our purses or in our hands that we're missing out on so much around us. They have become a habit. They've become very controlling. And they sabotage a lot of what God has for us which is usually right in front of us. I shared in the beginning of my morning habit. I shared that I walk out and all that kind of stuff and I kiss my wife and I grab my phone and I grab my Bible and I sit in my reading chair and start my day. But what I didn't share, there's been seasons in my life where I've sat down and I've opened this and this consumed my life. And I scrolled, and I scrolled, and I liked, and I heart, and I commented, and I posted, and I scrolled, and I scrolled, and I scrolled. And I never picked up this book and had a conversation with the one who loves me the most. I can't think that I'm the only one in here that deals with that. So I have to be very, very intentional in my life. Very intentional. There's nothing wrong with scrolling. My eyes are not even focused up that when I first get up, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But as soon as this consumes me, where I leave no time for this, there's a problem. And I have to work really, really hard not to do that. I mean, think about it. How much, how many of our lives, how much of our lives are stuck in this position? That we go through life in this position, constantly looking down. How many times have you been in a restaurant and you've seen a family out for dinner and they're all doing this? 
How many times have you seen a couple, they're all together, and they're all doing this? There's no conversation happening. They're just scrolling through their phones. There's no family time. Nothing. Scrolling. How many times has this destroyed a conversation that you really want to have? As you're talking to a friend, your spouse, or a child, and it zing, bing, zings, and you pull it up, and you're like, hold on a second, this is important. Oh my word, I can't believe your puppy is so cute. How many times, friends, that you're talking with a coworker and you pick up your phone and you're telling them, listen, you don't matter. What matters is this. It's a habit. Maybe we should all go back to flip phones. Just joking. This is one example of one of those habits that rule our lives and we just live day in and day out and we never pay attention. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. Because all we're busy, we're being all social, social. But it's not living to our best. God has a total, total different plan. I think I've shared this before. But I grew up, I grew up, I drove my dad crazy. For some reason, I didn't get, God didn't, when he created me, didn't give me that car gene. You know, that one man in the room that we love to tinker with vehicles and we like to wrench with them and pull in and change the oil and do all this stuff. We're like, <laughs> I didn't get that. I didn't get any of that. For me, car is just something I go from A to B, and again, if I pray really hard, I come back to A again, right? So my dad, I used to drive him absolutely crazy. He'd come to me, this is a true story. He'd come to me and say, Rich, have you changed the oil in your car? When? And he'd look at me, shake his head, ever? Ever? Uh, no. <laughs> And he would tell me to go schedule to go and he'd actually pay for it because I was busy. I was always busy. I was running around like a social butterfly going doing all these different things. But I never popped the hood and paid attention to my car. And in fact, I think I seized an engine of a vehicle going down the road going, I go buy a new one. That's kind of like our habits. We need to pay attention. We need to look under the hood. We've got to change the oil. Every 3,000 miles, who has time for that? But it's being real. It's always being real. We can get a ton done. But is what we're getting done the best? Does it lead us to the best? Are they guiding to live our lives in a God-honoring way? Or are we just being busy? Because here's the truth. Habits are powerful. Habits are extremely powerful in our lives. Look at verse 41. Then the prophet said quickly, quickly removed his headband from his eyes, and the king of Israel recognized him as one of the prophets. He goes, aha, now I know who you are. And he said to the king, this is what the Lord says. You have set free a man I determined to die. Therefore, it was your life for his life, your people for his people. Now we just need to stop again. That sounds absolutely extreme, doesn't it? 
Ahab made one bad decision. He made one treaty with a bad guy, and, and God's going to take him off. Now, now he's on his hit list. And we may be thinking, oh my word, is, are we going to be on God's hit list? I mean, I make a bad decision every time, every day, at least once, twice, three times a day. Am I going to be put on God's hit list? We've got to remember who we're speaking about. Ahab had a life of not honoring God. He had a life of choosing to do what God did not want him to do. He had a life of making his own habits and living in his own reality, doing his own things, not honoring his God. Think about the habits. He didn't just wake up and say, this is what I'm going to do. Think about habits. He doesn't stop and say, okay, I'm going to be this way. Habits are formed. They're formed over time. When we start one thing, we do it again, we do it again and again and again. Think about how rivers or creeks are formed. When it rains, the water comes down and hits the ground. It's trying to find a way to go, right? It's like, where do we go? Where do we go? It's, like, it's almost like it's asking, like, should I go this way or should I go this way? Well, over when it rains again, it goes this way and it goes this way. Then it rains again, it goes this way and this way. And over time, it creates a pattern of where it's going to go. And over more rain, more water, it creates a bigger pattern. It gets etched into the ground. And before you know it, you have a creek. You have a creek going in the back of your house. Well, that just didn't sit there. Water hit that direction, and over time, it built that. That's what it's like when building a habit. Our brains. God, God put together these amazing brains for us. They are so efficient in how we live. Because what happens, our brain wants to use less power. It wants to be totally, completely efficient in what it's doing. So when we start doing something like, hey, they might do it again. Let me just create a pattern. Let me just create an etch. And the more we do it, the deeper it goes. And eventually, you know, we have done it over and over and over again. And it's so efficient that every time that thing comes in front of us that we naturally do, every time that habit's in front of us that we just don't think about, it just happens. We don't even think about it. Why? Because our brain has etched a pattern to make it happen. So when I sit down or you sit down in the morning, it's like, oh, our brain knows that we want to do that, right? So we just do it. That's what it looks like in our building and forming habits in our lives. They're strong. They're, un, they're almost unbreakable because they've etched into our lives and we had to figure out how to bust them out. They're extremely powerful. And I want to be here to share with you, habits can be immensely painful or they can lead us to the best of blessings of life. We need to decide what we want to be who we want to be, the life we want to live. And I think, again, this is not one of those conversations that you're all excited about because I'm etching into your life about the truth of everything that we face. But we have to make a decision. Do we want God's best? Are we willing to do the hard work? Are we willing to take a stab at and look at the 40% of our lives that we don't pay attention to? Are those things that we're actually living lead us to be the best person in Christ or are they pushing us away in the opposite direction? Because habits can make be tremendous friends but horrible enemies. Horrible enemies. I have to wonder 
would Ahab's life be different if he had different habits in his life? Would have been different. If you continue reading, and I wish you would, you see that there's something happened later on. Ahab went to another battle. But this time he went as the battle as a coward. When he went in, he actually changed out of his, his kingly garment and put on a soldier's uniform because he knows when he went into battle, they would try to go for him first. People would think, like, if we take out the king, we win the war. So he went in as a coward. He, he dressed up as a soldier, and he went out into battle, and the scripture says a random arrow was thrown, and it pierced between sections of his armor. And as the battle was going on, he sat up in his chariot and he bled to death. He built a pattern of disobeying God. He built a pattern of doing what he wanted to do. At the end of the day, it cost him his life. Here's the point. If habits are that powerful, and they could be tremendous friends, we create God-honoring, cultivating, best life habits. It's amazing. But they also can be our worst enemy. You are the difference maker in your life right now this morning. Only you can decide if you are going to change the habits that are in front of you. You have to do the hard work. You have to root out the bad habits. You have to take the ones that have taken hostage of your life and bust free and create the habits that set you free in Christ. I think if we're going to follow anybody's example in Scripture, we have to follow Jesus. Jesus had an example in John chapter 8 where he's having a conversation with these Pharisees. And they were disputing with him that he was not the Son of God, that he was not the Messiah, that he was not the one that came to save humanity from their sin. But look how he responds to these Pharisees. He says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me, and he has not left me alone. And if these are words that we can take home today, it would be, for I always do what pleases him. For I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed him. Friends, what if, what if that was our goal? What if it was the, the habit of our heart? To go through and choose to live a life that always do what pleases him. I, I can't believe I'm the only one up on here in this room. I'm, I'm staged, but man, there's habits that are really... I've been convicted of that need to go. And I think you're there with me. I don't know what they are, but you do. But what if we made it our goal to please him? Stop wasting the life that we've been giving by God, doing things that just don't matter. Every, every breath you take, scripture says, is a gift. God is a giver of life. So right now, as you're breathing, that is a gift from the Lord. And we have to figure out what we want to do with our one and only life. If we want the abundant life, life to the full, what are the habits that are right in the way? We may think they're good, 
but they're the best. We may think they don't exist, but they hold us hostage. So when you leave today, you're going to get one of these cards. And on this card is two columns. And I'm going to ask you to take the time this week to work through the good habits in your life, the good habits you need to add in your life. And then work on this side with the bad habits. Write down some of these things that you know that need to be removed. Now this is for you, okay? This is for you personally. I'm not saying go home and write them all down and post it on Facebook. Hey, look how horrible I am! But if we really want that life, we have to do the hard work. And so when you make your list, I want you to give it to someone you trust. Oh, snap. And let them fill it in for you too. Because the people closest to us, they know what our good habits are. And they surely know our bad habits. I said, give it to someone you trust. You can have an honest conversation. And then you can work at it together. And start rooting these things out that are taking us captive in our lives. Friends, habits are powerful. We just don't realize it. They control so much of what we do. And we need to walk through this as a church, busting free and letting God, well, do what he does best. Change everything. I don't know what those habits are that need to be gone. I don't know what the habits need to be added. But I do want to point out one other thing this morning. It says at the end in verse 30 that even as he spoke, many believed in him. Jesus spoke the truth of who he was and he always listens and follows the Father. And that is a great reminder for you and I. Because changing habits cannot be done in our own strength. We can't be that God who God has called us to be unless we have a one-on-one relationship with Jesus. Because right now you're thinking, well, I got this, Rich. I'll just go home and I'll fill up my list. And man, I'm going to do good and I'm going to try hard. And everything's going to be better. That's not the truth. Because you're living on your own strength, on your own ability. And what happens when we do that, we do good. We try hard and we fail. And then we get so frustrated with ourselves, like, come on, I know I can do better. So we do more good, we try even harder, and then we fail again. Why is it always this way? God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do so much good. And I'm going to give it everything I got. And then we fail again. You know what happens? We fake it. We fake it. We show up, we walk through life with smiles on our faces. We don't change anything. We don't look under the hood. Why? Because we try to do it in our own strength, by ourselves. And by the way, 
if you're in this room and you're a follower of Jesus, you can do that too. I can't imagine how much of our, how much of our lives we try to do on our own strength, not with the one who loves us the most, who resides within us. So as you walk through this, lean into God, lean into Jesus. Because life transformation, if that's what we're going for, starts with, is lived in, and finished with Jesus Christ. So have a conversation with God. What is it? Have a conversation with someone you trust. Hold me accountable. And let's start building habits that glorify the King who has given us everything for you and I. And that includes you who have never said yes to Jesus. Your first habit to build is the habit to follow the one and true Lord and Savior. Church, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. This is not one of those hallelujah conversations, Lord. I know it. But it's a conversation that needs to be had. Because we are surrounded by a society that screams busy. We're surrounded by a society that infiltrates and tells us that what we should be doing, that we completely miss what we're supposed to be doing. God, I know I'm not alone that we all have habits in our lives that need to find their exit way out the exit door of our lives. So I pray as a church that we'll come before you humbly and honestly. Be real with you, because you already know. Be real with the one who's, ones who are closest to us. Show us, God, where we've been busy like Ahab, doing our own thing. Show us what the prophet is speaking to us. Saying you need to be paying attention. And show us, God, how we can live like Jesus. Always doing what pleases you. It won't be easy. I have to, <laughs> outside of surrendering our lives to you, I don't think anything in this world is easy. But I pray that we're courageous. I pray that we're brave. I pray that we're strong. I pray, God, that we as a church, we won't lean on our own strength. But do good and try hard and fake it. There will be a people that won't live to say, only if I had done this sooner. There will be a church that doesn't look back 10 years from now and think, man, I miss so much. But here, right now, today, you give us the strength to bust free from all those habits that have been holding us back from your best. We love you and we worship you. In your son's name I pray.